What's going on, everybody? This is Noah Alvarez, and you are tuned into another episode of the My Mike and I podcast, episode 138 of this show. And I'm recording this on New Year's Eve, December 31st of the year 2020. And before we get into the show, I did want to take a second and reflect and thank everybody that's listening into the show. Whether you've been listening since day one, before this year started, or you know you joined at some point during the year 2020, I really appreciate you guys' support through thick and thin. I know it hasn't been the smoothest of years for a lot of people, and I know you know whether it's routines, rhythms, the way you listen to podcasts has changed during the year. But I you know I really appreciate the people who did stick through this wild and crazy year in 2020. But while it's been wild and crazy, I do want to say it's been wonderful too. I remember at the beginning of this year, I was nervous to put out you know, some content on YouTube. I was nervous to start an Instagram page. I was nervous to get some stickers made, but I was able to accomplish all those three things as well as a few other things as well on the show and continue to expand on the guest. Man, I look, I have some local politicians on the show that were running in local elections here in Orange County. You can, you know, scroll up the feed and find some of those back from October. And I think one was in November. But yeah, you know, I, I think when I look back at the year 2020, it's been a wonderful year with the podcast. Been a wonderful year for me too, growing spiritually. And I just want to encourage you guys to kind of look at the positives that came last year in 2020 as well. Whether you're listening to this on New Year's Day when this comes out or the Monday after, two weeks after, it doesn't matter. Hope you guys just continue to count your blessings and look at the positives of the situation. Now, let's get a drum roll for this week's episode. We got two guests on the show, and I guess you could say the two homies, for the best hip-hop of 2020 episode. Yes, this is a tradition three years in the making. We started this in the year 2018 with my buddies Vince and JJ. Had to do it last year, and of course, we had to keep the tradition going via Zoom this year. Um, just want to give you guys a quick heads up. While, you know, you know the drill with Zoom, basically, if you have more than two people on at a Zoom call, it ends at 45 minutes. That's the cap for how long you can go. So I did my best to kind of merge the, the, you know, the different calls together. If it sounds a little choppy, just want to apologize in advance. But yeah, we discussed our favorite albums, artists that we thought had really good years, our favorite verses, our favorite bars from this year. And man, and of course, it goes without saying too, you know, we uh, recorded this way before the news of MF Doom um, and his passing. So I do want to say rest in peace to MF Doom. Make sure you use all caps when you spell it. So real quick, again, thanks to Vince and JJ for not only being on this podcast, but JJ, also known as the producer, Generic Sports, who produces the instrumentals and allows me to use his beats whatever way I see creatively fit. And the same thing with Vince Craig, man. Special shout out to you for letting me use the Mike and I logo as well as some of the other designs that you'd be doing for the Mike and I podcast page. If you're on that Instagram platform, that's at my period Mike and period I. One more time, it's at my period Mike and period I. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation and discuss the best hip hop of 2020. Alright, alright. So it's our second, no, third year doing this, third year in a row doing this. And I wanted to compare it to the previous two years because 2020, man, has always been, been a crazy year. We're going to remember for a lot of different things. But how do you think 2020 kind of compared in hip hop, at least the genre, compared to the previous two years that we've been reviewing? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's crazy because I think we were just on here for 2019 talking about what a like great year it was for hip hop. And not to say that, you know, good things didn't happen in hip hop this year. It was definitely a more slow year. I mean, 
we saw a lot of the major acts kind of push their, you know, coming albums back into next year. So that way they can get their touring dates off and able to perform some of their songs live. A lot of artists that, especially in this generation, um, rely heavy on, you know, being played in the club scenes and, and people, you know, having that response to the, to the music, you know, in person. And so I think a lot of those artists kind of pushed it back. Um, and so I, I, I think the positive in this year is I think a lot into more of the underground artists kind of came forth, um, you know, with like a push from guys like Griselda kind of coming up and, and really making a name for themselves. They kind of brought with them a lot of other underground artists, a lot of ones that, you know, us three are very familiar with and have been listening to for years, but now we see them kind of get more shine because people were really fiending for music. And so uh, I think positive, I think there was more of a, a more stronger presence of lyricism this year for the few records that we did get from artists, but it was definitely a weird year, but I think, uh, you know, and then maybe next year, if things get better and, you know, artists can start touring again, we'll really see like a, a bigger emergence of all of those, you know, I would say like class A acts, you know, like A-list celebrity, A-list rappers coming out with their albums and stuff. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, I agree. I agree with most of what you said. It's a weird year for sure, but um, it did open up the door for like the, not necessarily like younger, just the more unheard of people, you know, you mentioned Griselda and then, you know, even though Alchemist has been doing this shit for like 30 years, like he got a Grammy nod, you know, and uh, just him alone, he put out like six albums this year. And I think that finally allowed him to get a little more shine, you know, and um, but I think next year it'll, it'll next year will be a big year. You know, I think guys like Kendrick Lamar and like, like you said, A-list uh rappers i think they're gonna start you know plan a big tour and uh probably you know have an album roll out with that but um yeah it was definitely an interesting year yeah yeah i feel like i feel like this was like a year for like producers to kind of get their shine too like you mentioned like alchemist coming out like derringer like we didn't see so many projects or like um repeat acts coming up like oh he second project or they drop this mixtape i know you have artists like ransom who dropped like five projects this year which was you know and it, none of them missed like they were all hits but you know you'd see like derringer working on this project or you know ghost ltd working on that one and they you know pull these projects in together hit boy had a fucking yeah. crazy year because he was just working with so many artists and putting out good music and like i said it was music that everyone was fiending for so i feel like that mixed with you know, early quarantine days when they were doing like versus battles between producers and stuff that kind of like put a shine on them. We were able to focus in more on like, oh, it's beyond what is just like, oh, this artist's catalog. Now let's look at the producer's catalog and oh, they did this song. They did this song. It kind of brought a little bit more light to, to their work, which I thought was probably because producers are, you know, used to staying home and just making beats and shit. It's nothing <laughs> changed. Yeah, no, that's, that's a right? good point. <laughs> yeah, they were probably... They were probably thriving in this time too but like <laughs> yeah. you said vince too i think i think it kind of there was a little shift as far as like conscious hip-hop we saw a lot more of those like b b plus level artists and, and they're not b's because like of their quality it's just because of like recognition as far as like getting you know they're not getting played on the radio all the time and that kind of stuff but um i even think we saw like from like a i guess you could say like a quality level artist and like little baby when he had that song bigger picture you know like 
that's not the type of music he usually makes. But we saw a lot of artists kind of shift into that because of, you know, all the protests that was going on with George Floyd, you know, the sports kind of stopping. I mean, there was a lot of shit going on this year. And I felt like, you know, art is a reflective of the times. And definitely 2020 was some wild time. I think a lot of people had to uh, self-reflect a lot, too. And I feel like we had a lot more self-reflective music, you know, like even like the single that uh, West Side Boogie dropped the other day. You know, that was very reflective, I thought. And like there was a lot of albums. I feel like four of my five top albums this year were all kind of like had that self-reflected theme, which I thought was cool because in a normal year, like who's to say we would have gotten that. So I think it was cool. Like you said earlier, though, like, you know, albums from Kendrick, Absol, J. Cole, I was kind of looking forward to this year. They all kind of pushed those back and a few other like A-level artists pushed their stuff back. But it was a good time to shine for the you know, guys coming up. You know, like, I think guys like Reason, Amine, those guys kind of really stood out this year. And they had a chance to shine. Yeah. I forgot about the Amine album. That shit was hard. Yeah. I remember that was like one of the, in our group texts, the first albums of the year. <laughs> and when it came out, it was like, oh shit, no, we're getting like some actual music, some actually pushing in the streets. And so that was dope. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, these artists that kind of came out to the scene this year and kind of really shine, who are some artists that really uh, broke out into the scene for you and your little bubble and as far as maybe someone you weren't listening to before? last year but kind of now you're you're all into their discography this year i think uh one of the main ones for me and uh his album was one of my favorite albums but i think he kind of teeters more on the the side of things but blast definitely uh he dropped a project no love lost this year and i just early on in the year like when he was kind of teasing music and you know a few guys that i follow on instagram were working with him and you know doing his visuals and stuff and so i saw like little snippets of it and just like promotional work that he was doing, like just ground level stuff, like within his hometown, LA, right when the album came out, he did like a small pop-up in Carson. It was powered by, you know, Red Bull Records. So he had some like push behind him. But ever since that drop, it just was a huge immersion. And I've just seen a lot of people kind of gravitate towards that music, you know, from, from anybody, you know, guys that I know in LA versus people in Orange County, even, you know, random Instagram girls, you know, posting his music. When you start to, kind of get recognition on that level it kind of shows the artist really like expanding I think definitely him I would say was one of the ones that I wasn't listening to last year but then kind of up this year and then I mean I'm going to mention them a lot this whole show but everybody from Griselda I know even last year because they put out you know 10-15 projects a year like and um, last year I didn't have them in my top five but I know I had mentioned that it's, it's because you could see that they were gearing up for something more. They're ready to like push the lines and kind of break into the industry a little bit more, but still being authentic to who they were. And I feel like they really did that this year. Uh, almost every single one of their artists, whether it was Con uh, dropping from God or from King to a God or Benny dropping Burden of Proof, like I feel like it pushed them into another stratosphere of hip hop and uh, definitely made them more notable just the average, you know, rap listener, um, you know, West Side Gun doing his own thing, moving more into the executive role, but still being a curator and everything. I think they definitely had a explosive year. So I, I would say those two. Um, Ransom, like I mentioned him earlier, uh, another artist that I had heard about, heard a few records, because I feel like me and JJ are the same. We get familiar with like certain producers because we know the content that they put out. And then, so that's kind of how I got introduced to Ransom. He put out, I think, I want to say it was like four or five projects this year. And like I said, all of them, every single one of them, he's a crazy lyricist and he was really grinding this year and it just kind of shows somebody 
you know, pushing through the year and using this year to, to really hustle and put their music out. So him too. Yeah, man. Griselda did have a big year. Uh, but uh, I'd say for me, uh, you guys heard of Lee James? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he put out a project with Alchemist this year, and I, I listened to that one a lot. It's called uh, Price of Tea in China. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wasn't listening to him at all last year. I think just, like he said, the familiarity with, you know, different producers and the, the stuff they put out. You know, I gave it a listen, and I really enjoyed it. And... Um, Kind of like a lesser known dude, I'd say. A uh, rapper named Overcast just became familiar with his stuff. I think he has collaborations with Earl Sweatshirt. That's probably how I got familiar with him. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd say I'd have to go with Griselda as well for like someone who broke this year. And I mean, you know, just as a collective, all of them doing their thing, you know, going their own direction, not necessarily. You know, still being a but not necessarily like having to to hang with each other. You know, they can go their own route. But yeah, that was cool to see. Yeah, I think I think uh, you guys were mentioning, you know, Griselda, Benny the Butcher, Westside Gun, all you know them last year at the 2019 kind of best hip hop of the year show. And uh, you know, I had heard of them really, but like 2020 for sure was like the year where I kind of paid attention to them more. I really like, you know, their, their albums kind of, I was able to like save them into the library, that kind of thing. Like I really enjoyed some of their music this year. An artist who kind of came onto the scene for me this year was Larry June, um, you know, LA native. And uh, I saw a tweet the other day. I had a bookmark it cause I thought it was funny. Larry June is just Dom Kennedy with the smoothie machine and a whole foods <laughs> card. And I thought that was funny because, you know, Larry June does have like that very mellow, like West coast kind of flow that Dom Kennedy has. I think he has that like deep voice too. That um, remember Left Brain from Odd Future. So I feel mm-hmm. it's like a combination of Left Brain and Dom Kennedy. And he does be rapping a lot about like healthy stuff, you know, watering his plants and all that kind of thing. But I think he had five projects that came out this year. Yeah. Two of them were solo. Um, he had a project with Burner. He had a project with uh, the producer Harry Fraud. So you know, I think you know he was busy this year, and he was somebody that people mentioned to me at the beginning of the year, like, "Oh, keep an eye out for Larry June. Keep an eye out for Larry June." And I finally gave him a listen, probably around September, which was a little later than well, most people are already on to him. And I kind of like his flow because he just, you know, like I said, he's preaching like this healthy living stuff that, you know, artists don't always be talking about. But I thought he had a, a pretty big 2020. And then another rapper for me, too, um, I guess more on the like melodic side, almost R&B, but a code of the friend. Uh, he's from New York. And I just feel like he kind of similar to Larry June. He's more on that lo-fi instrumental. But he has, again, very like that chill mellow music and if like you're just cruising you don't have to, you're not in a rush to go anywhere i feel like he his music is perfect especially for like the windows down kind of thing and um you know this is going to be an ongoing thing too but this was my first year using spotify i had a full year at least i tu- i turned over to spotify i want to say november last year so i didn't really get the whole experience last year but man spotify really puts you on to new artists with the whole daily mixes and the discoveries and that kind of stuff and those two artists came up via those kind of things so shout out to spotify for helping me you know get to know new artists and stuff like that but um if it wasn't for spotify i don't think i'd be listening to those guys and have them you know constantly like paying attention to what they're dropping mm-hmm. yeah they do got their their ai or whatever you want to call it, their algorithm that because 
you go on there, it's, I feel like it's just easier to discover music than it is versus Apple Music and having to like search for it and, and really know the artist before you even open the app kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, the recommendations are like pretty crazy. I mean, I, I remember last year, like people were telling me Spotify, Spotify, join it. And I was kind of reluctant too, because especially as an Apple user, you're just like, ah, like Apple Music so much. It's just easy. You know, it's already on the phone, but like mm-hmm. definitely worth making the switch. If, if you're listening, you're not on Spotify already, man, please, please make the switch. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't even getting sponsored, but just fucking make the switch. Yeah. <laughs> Buy the albums first and then stream it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so moving on to some of the more like little low key things as far as like individual songs individual verses individual tracks that we really enjoyed we could start it off with the uh i guess overall favorite track not the album it doesn't have to be a single but just what was like your favorite track of 2020 that song that you could see yourself playing for years and years to come i think just because it was a it was a really dope moment just with you know the passing smoke and everything but uh got it on me was definitely one i know um i had heard like a like a released like leaked demo a long time ago when he had kind of laid the vocals for it and he was doing the the many men flip of 50 cent song and i know at that time he had put out like ptsd and a, p- a lot of people were comparing him to having like sense like flow and his like almost his voice almost sounds like his jaw was clenched like when 50 couldn't move his jaw <laughs> and uh, so i had heard that and i thought it was really dope and then with the passing of and then 50 cent kind of you know, helping curate the album and, you know, did some, some work on it. I'm not sure to what extent, but, you know, he had his hands in the release of that album came out to have that song. And then, you know, it's a new beat and everything, but him kind of uh, pulling from that verse and, and the chorus I thought was really dope. And I think when Spotify did do their 20 rap, that was like my most listened to song just cause I it was just one of those crazy moments. I think as we get older, we kind of are able to recognize samples a little bit, I don't want to say better JJ could probably recognize samples like crazy because he works with them. But like <laughs> for us, like it's, it, you're seeing music kind of sampled from earlier in not so much like, Oh, this song is pulled from a seventies funk record that, you know, the, the B producer might've, might've switched up a little bit, but now they're using songs that we up with and kind of giving a nod to that. And I thought that was dope that pop smoke did that. And the, fucking record is just crazy it's just hard you just want to get in your car and just turn that shit up to ignorant levels and listen to it <laughs> i had to give it to that i mean i feel like this year more i know we were talking about conscious stuff more but i feel like i just got even grimier with the music that i was listening to <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of shit that makes you want to just put a box cutter across somebody's face but <laughs> but yeah i had to give it to that song it's like honestly because it was it was the number one song that i had on my Spotify. I go back and forth between the two, Apple Music and Spotify, but um, Spotify, I try to keep it strictly hip hop because like you said, for the purpose of the algorithm and then being able to introduce you to new stuff. But if I'm you know, going to different genres, I'll go to Apple Music because I don't really care about that getting messed up. But uh, but yeah, man, Got It On Me by Pop Smoke, probably my, fav- my favorite record of this year. I'd say my favorite record would be off the Alfredo album, Freddie Gibbs. Uh, God is Perfect. I think it's like the second track on there, but that was probably like my top played song on Spotify this year. Just Plus it came out, you know, I think it came out early in the year. So I remember like gyms were open, we're going to the gym and that song was like, all, I was always playing that song just 
like his flow on that and the beat it's, it's crazy but um yeah there's a couple others too you know i can't really just go with one but knowledge producer knowledge dropped the album 1988 earlier this year there's a track on there called don't be afraid i think it's also like the second on there but um i don't know for me choosing these songs was more of like what i found myself playing over and over and over you know to me that obviously means there's something about it that you really like so you know that one i was playing every day first couple months it came out and then uh, i mentioned overcast um rapper uh earlier but there's a track on his 2020 release it's called face but um it's really self-reflective and kind of you know it's a it's it's refreshing something new uh the the sound the lyrics uh content like kind of you know Noah was talking about like more not necessarily like health conscious but like just more positive types of uh things and uh, I think that's kind of what everyone is really was really thinking about this year you know having time to themselves and uh I don't know just too much time to think you know but uh it's kind of that that was a good track to listen to for like times we're in yeah yeah I, I feel you on that like trying to choose one was a little tough for me though like the ultimate favorite had to be 10 points by Nas on his album King's Disease mm-hmm. I feel like he was talking about some like real grown man shit right there talking about you know that he dropped in lines like childhood trauma holding us back that kind of thing you know, just talking about a lot of different stuff as far as I felt like like it related to me, you know, like we're in our, you know, latter half of the 20s now. And I feel like, you know, we're in this weird position where like we kind of got to grow up, but we're still like unsure of like necessarily like what or how to go about that. So just I felt like Nas was hitting on a lot of like a lot of stuff that people don't usually talk about. And I don't even think Nas really talks about it a lot, too. But, you know, 10 points for sure is like every time that shit comes on. You know, I got to turn that volume all the way up and break my headphones for that. And then some other songs, too, that I really enjoyed. Um, That one came out in August and a lot of my songs uh, came out later in the year. My favorite songs came out later in the year. Outside with Westside Boogie and Joey Badass. Mm -hmm. I mean, that one only came out, I think, you know, in December. So it's only been Mm -hmm. out for a few weeks. But that one, man, since it came out, like I probably played that shit already like 40 times already, man. This another really good, like self-reflective song, especially I think Boogie's like the his second verse or the third verse of the song where he talks about like, you know, just I don't know, just again, it's self-reflective where he I think he dropped the line where he's like, you know, if I meditate, like, will I get through to my brain? You know, I, I smoke weed to keep me sane, that kind of thing. And it was just kind of like, oh, shit, like, I don't know, I felt <laughs> I felt like it kind of related to me, and especially with the times that we're going through, you know, like like JJ said, and it's going to be an ongoing theme. We were forced to think a lot more this year because of, you know, a lot of shit was on pause so we couldn't really go out and do a lot of things so we're stuck at home thinking a lot and so outsiders made me think for sure and then this one came out i believe in the summer i want to say it was july or june but it was on that run the jewels four album Mm. um it was just the one with pharrell and i'm drawing a blank on the dude from what's rage against the machine right what's that uh dude's name zach de la roca yeah Zach DeLaRocca, but I, I mean, honestly, the, the chorus in that ver- the song is, you know, look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. 
And what I heard is that they recorded this album before, you know, George Floyd and before the pandemic. But like when it dropped, it felt like it was talking about all this kind of stuff. And and uh, that's just type of the music that they drop anyway. So I felt like it was good timing on them to drop it at that time. But uh, yeah, that like that chorus like that, you know, I was like, oh, shit, kind of makes you think again with a lot of time to think. I remember I was working at the office, my office job uh, at the time. And so, you know, I was playing that song over and over again. I was like, damn, look at all these slave masters pulling out, posing <laughs> on your dollar. And I was just like, pulled out a dollar. I was like, fuck, like, you know. <laughs> and so it was, it was just kind of crazy. Those are like my three top songs from, uh, you know, 2020. There's a, I felt like there's a lot of songs I enjoyed um, for sure. But those are probably the three top ones where I'm just like, man, those are those going to stay in rotation for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Now, when it comes to duos, features, that kind of thing, what was a, a favorite, I guess, um, back and forth, a song that had multiple artists on for you? Um, I mean, there's, there's songs, and I don't want to, you know, keep mentioning Zelda with Warpaint at the end of Benny the Butcher's album, just them. Uh, I think it's dope when you have, you know, artists kind of start to break off into their own careers and um, put projects of their own but then still t come together we saw it a lot with like tde during the black hippie days and you know you got schoolboy q going in one direction kendrick going in another but then they'll come together for certain songs and even you know some of the more recent ones i think vice city was probably the last black hippie song we heard off the off of j-rock's album so i think moments like that especially when zelda kind of going down that same direction that they're going in and them coming together for records like that they all hop back on war paint um, I know we were talking about like best verses and do it, it, you know, when you have Conway the Machine mentioning, you know, meeting Beyonce and telling his his girl about it, and you know, it's just I think it's a verse where he's like, I couldn't if my shorty was such a fan, or in that moment she realized I'm the motherfucking man, and it's true. Like you see in these artists kind of break into the industry and kind of surround themselves with different people, and and you know to get from Jay Z for those guys, especially being from the East coast and upstate. And I think it's dope for them to kind of get, get that shine and, and put it together on a record where they're kind of, you know, showcase that Benny talking about his story, Conway talking about his and then West side gun, just, you know, talking his talk crack sales, <laughs> you know? So I think that's definitely one of them. I think when it comes to probably my favorite feature of the year, and this is probably going to be a theme every year if somebody drops a Nipsey verse, but Big Sean on his album, uh, Deep, Re Deep Reverence, uh, was another one that you kind of heard, got a little teaser of it before when Hit Boy was doing the verses against Boy Wonder and they were playing records back and forth and he played an unreleased track off the Big Sean album. And then the first thing you heard was Nipsey's voice and people went crazy. And the shit that Nipsey was saying on that on that verse was just out of, out of control, man. He went off on that. So that's definitely like of features and best one of the year. I definitely go to that. Nipsey on Deep Reverence for sure. Crazy how he like obviously, you know, he he didn't record that like recently, but it it can always be relevant. You know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's crazy. We even saw it last year too. He was um on that I think it was Welcome Home, right? On the Games album Born to oh, Rap. Oh yeah. And again, he recorded that, you know, before he passed obviously, but it still like remained relevant to the time when they dropped it, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nipsey does a lot of talking about dying for his streets and stuff. So it's like those verses definitely hit different. As we know, <laughs> yeah. you know, he was taken in front of his own, in his own hood, in front of his own store. So um, those are definitely always going to be like top tier when you hear that, because 
I mean, the man really, really stood behind what he said. And so it's one thing you always got to salute when you hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for me, like duo wise this year, I'd say I'd, I'd have to go with Alchemist and Freddie Gibbs on uh, Alfredo. Mm-hmm. You know, they got the Grammy nod, uh, every track on there, you know, gold. Uh, but you know, it wasn't just those two, you know, Alchemist, he had, like I said earlier, he dropped like six albums and I think there was like three or four collab albums, Conway, uh, Mm -hmm. Boldy James, Freddie Gibbs. But, um, it was cool to see him kind of have these guys gravitate to him. You know, you know, he makes his beats. He allows these guys to tell their story. And for me, you know, with like Boldy James, I think he's from like Detroit or something. And the type of stuff that he's rapping about, I'm far removed from that. But being able to listen to Alchemist Layden, his beats, and Boldy James, you know, say like what he's lived through, all this stuff. Uh, it's cool to have that that insight, you know. And I think that's like what hip hop's all about. And I think that's why I liked all these collabs so much this year. Mm-hmm. I feel like Freddie Gibbs too. The past what two three years, he's gotten a lot more recognition yeah. than he yeah. has in the past. You know, I think like guys like us, we always kind of had heard about him, but I feel like more and more now with like mainstream hip hop fans, they're starting to get to know more of Freddie Gibbs, and he's getting a lot more recognition, which is cool to see. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, favorite features, or you know, song that featured different artists, um, both came from Reasons album New Beginnings, and that's an album we'll be talking about a lot later on too. Uh, but the first one I want to mention is that I can make it with uh, Rhapsody, mm. man. That was a nice little back and forth. And I was really high on Rhapsody at the end of last year with their album Eve. I thought that was a really well put together album. And then, you know, Rhapsody, she, she signed a rock nation. I want to say like early 2010s decade. And, uh, but it, she's one of those artists, like every time I hear her music, I'm like, man, how does she not end up with Dreamville because of the Carolina connection or TDE? Just cause I feel like the content and like the music she makes is like, so on par with what both those like camps are doing and so anyways for her to like collab with tde again reason another upcoming artist um and you felt really felt like their hunger in in this um in that song and i feel like man like rhapsody's verse i think outshine reason and i don't know if he you know got he intended for that but i mean like the first verse or like the opening part of her verse is like you know i'd rather shake my ass and you know get a band I'd rather shake my ass and, you know, drop some bars for these bands because especially with females in the hip hop industry, I mean, it's very apparent now, like if you are, like if you are very attractive, that kind of thing, you're going to get more national recognition from, you know, mainstream hip hop fans and, and the festivals and that kind of thing. Like we've seen with Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, Saweetie, all those girls, you know what I mean? Not to like, take away from their talents at all, but because they're willing to show more of their body than say Rhapsody, you know, they're getting more attention and they're getting more push from these labels and stuff like that. So she kind of talks about that and, and kind of like flips the wrist, you know, like she like, instead of, you know, being woke or rapper, she wants to rather like shake her ass. And I thought that was kind of funny to open up her verse like that. <laughs> and then another one from that album, I think was the uh, extinct song with uh, Isaiah Rashad mm-hmm. and JID. I mean, that's the first time we've heard Isaiah Rashad in a fat minute. Right. I mean, he's kind of been silent mm-hmm. working on his album at his own pace. And, um, man i mean the whole like he opens up the song and i thought it was a really good one he dropped a line in there that was says like before you fuck me you gotta go get your gary paytons and i thought that was really hard because <laughs> gary payton was nicknamed the glove and i was like man a lot of like 
unless you were an NBA head, like you're not going to get that reference. But I was like, <laughs> damn, that's, that's super sneaky, you know? And then Reason had a lot of good verses. He actually had my um, favorite bar of the year. We'll get into that later on that song. And then obviously JID's too, man, he opened up the song with like, man, I forgot what the first line was, but he's like psychoanalysis. I feel like Sigmund Freud. And I was like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> they, they came to play. Like they were just going for those like one liners in that song. And it definitely hit home with that one. So those are like my two favorite songs with multiple artists on it. Now sticking with that sure. theme of the favorite bar, who was some of your favorite bars? We can kick it off with you, JJ of the year. Man, I mean, I can't, I honestly can't tell you like, <laughs> like off the top of my head, I freaking, I don't know. I think I just listen to music differently okay. than you guys maybe, but, um, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. Like, I, 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 like, you know, I can't like, I just can't recall if like you, like you guys can, but I, I just, I'll, I'll say overall, like, I think this year was much more, you know, conscious and going with the theme of like self-reflection and stuff like that. I think uh, a lot of, a lot of rappers went in that direction or not, not as like really a choice, but probably because, you know, there's, you're not out making experiences and, and all this stuff. And you're kind of left with like your own thoughts and uh, having to come up with, you know, content based on that and yeah i know i'm lame i can't like recall <laughs> any bars or whatever but like i i'll just i'll leave it with that like i think that there is a lot of you know good lyrical content out there overall for sure no worries yeah yeah i think for me um i know i mentioned it so i'll talk about that one first but the the line that conway said in war paint just about you know meeting beyonce and i think you mentioned brunch which for a lot of artists is like somewhere where you want to be it's like that that scene that they want to get on and so I thought that's that line was dope um I give overall uh reason on on his new album and that last track where he's kind of reflecting and talking about TDE mm -hmm. um and just like his label situation which you don't hear and for him to kind of bring that to the forefront and really talk about it and almost like his frustrations with it or just like this self-doubt that you have. And I think a lot of times that happens, you might be given a great opportunity in your life, but then you start questioning whether you can take it on and stuff like that. I felt like he was going through that kind of internal struggle on that song. So I thought that was really dope that he did that. Um, I would say the chorus from Legend by Benny the Butcher, where he's talking about it. I thought that was really dope because, you know, a lot of times with artists coming up, um, you know, they kind of give him like, oh, yo, he's going to be a legend. Like they kind of look more towards the what they can do rather than embrace what they're doing at the moment. And that was kind of what he's saying in that track is, no, nah, I'm a legend now. And I think that's that's very true. I think he's doing something crazy. I think we're witnessing him kind of shift, you know, hip hop in general. And the fact that he's able to get like a, a, a brighter shine on lyricism, it speaks to what he can do. And um, so I thought that and it's one of those things like especially like Nipsey like a lot of people talk about like oh yo he was gearing up to be a legend it's so sad that he was taken from us and while that statement is true like when you were really on the hip-hop scene when you were listening to what they were doing in LA you knew Nipsey was a legend already he had already kind of laid this like groundwork of, of what he was building up to do and it was on par with what you know Jay-Z has done for hip-hop you know I think to 
I almost, I think it's wild to say, but I think for certain artists, we need to start giving them the legend stamp early. Like, oh, this is what they're doing at the beginning of their career. Like we can already recognize what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. lastly, I would say, speaking of Nipsey, um, and like I said, on that Deep Reverence song, he has a line in there where it says block the deep reverence. I was born in the C-section. I thought that shit was hard. Just, I'm always a sucker for double entendres. He was born rolling 60 Crip area. You know, that's, that's what he's represented, uh, what he brings to the front lines and stuff. And, and to flip that, and I was born in the C-section, you know, uh, whatever pregnancy term that is, whatever. But just to, to flip it, it's just one of those bars that's just, I remember when I heard it, because like I said, I heard it in the verses first. And then so when the track came out, I think it was like maybe the day before they had released Big Sean's album. And he had, him and Hit Boy Twitter talking about, yo, should we release Deep Reverence? And you know, when an artist does that, you already know they have it geared up to release. It's not like yeah. the fans are really going to decide. They already got it going through Apple Music's, you know, some and everything. So when I heard that, I was like, I remember that line, those few verses that Nipsey said. And I was like, yo, I got to listen to this shit in the car. I think I was at my fiance's house and I was like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to go on a ride. <laughs> so I got in the car, turned that shit up, just blasted it. I think I was on Instagram when I was doing it too. And it was just, <laughs> that shit was just fucking crazy. So I definitely have to give that verse of the year if it got me out of the house into the car to drive around just to listen to it. There you go. For me, my favorite bar, and it was like a series, it was probably like four lines from Reason in that song, Extinct. Um, he talks about the industry as a whole, but right before that, he talks about like, no more buying bags for, and I'm, I'm a paraphrase because of the language, but no more buying bags for women who can't, you know, buy their own. And then he said the, the following line was no more getting brain from women that I can't learn from. And I thought that was like a tricky wordplay right there. And then also too, like, right. He follows that line with, we went from H to the Izzo to rappers with gimmicks showing their ass more than Lizzo. And, and I just thought like that was really, again, like a reflective of the, the time of hip hop. Right. Again, like paying homage to Jay-Z's track in the early 2000s. And that, you know, was the first time we saw like, you know, artists really like kind of blow up and make it to the scene. And um, it's because they had like, really, really uh, I'm not saying like the art has changed a lot, but like what's pushing now in the mainstream. And I think that's what Reason is addressing is like, you know here we were 20 years ago praising jay-z for that line or for that song and now we're praising you know women like megan the stanley and cardi b not again not to take away from their artist talent but because they're showing their ass so they're getting more of a push you know what i'm saying so it's it was kind of funny like how he threw that in there and then he, you know again he just takes that shot at lizzo and we all remember what happened at i believe it was at like laker game she was at where she was you know had her ass hanging out i was like what the fuck you know um so you know it's just it's just the state of the industry right now and i think just think it was very reflective and then favorite verse for me though has to go to absol on who wants what i mean when that shit dropped it was off a ep with russ i forgot what month it was i want to say it was like october maybe november but um man that shit that shit like there were so many bars i mean you know how i'm a geek over absol for a little second real quick just because like he always has little double entendres, a tricky wordplay. And man, like, you know, the whole you're, you're talking about like the entendres too. He's like, I'm well read like the Nickerson Gardens. You know, I thought that was like that was a tight <laughs> little double entendre. He was also talking about um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, he, you know, there was that little line where he's like, where the lyricist at? And then he has the cricket noise. You know, how sad you're clicking <laughs> on, even on top of the game. That shit's a mouse pad. And I was like, damn. So he's just. It was like, you know, funny wordplay after one after another. And I feel like hip hop's missing that. You know, it wasn't 
directed at anybody per se, but just towards the industry as a whole. So I thought that was really cool. I mean, honestly, like no disrespect to Russ, but like every time that song comes on, I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta fast forward like halfway yeah. just to Absol. <laughs> and it's not that Russ has a bad verse. It's just like, like I said, I geek over Absol like hella hard sometimes. And man, that, that verse is probably like one of my favorites that he's ever dropped. Definitely. Cool. So now we're about to get into the time that I'm sure everyone's been waiting on. I think the most fun part about doing this the past two years is kind of developing that top five list to see how our, while we're all hip hop heads, we all have, like I said earlier, little different like subgenres of hip hop. So it's kind of cool when we put our top five list of the year together. And so let's go ahead and get into it. Vince, I'll let you kick it off with five. Then we'll go JJ and then myself. And then we'll kind of do a snake where I'll play. I'll start it off for four and we'll kind of go uh, back the other way. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. So I would have to give uh, the number five spot to the Pop Smoke album that came out. Um, I know he had two. I think he had Meet the Woo 2 at the beginning of the year, and then he passed, and then they came out with the stars. And um, so, yeah, I just, again, like, I think it was super unfortunate, you know, him passing. I think he was kind of building this new buzz. He had kind of brought, like, Brooklyn Drill to the forefront and um, just really brought, like, a different flow. He had a different voice. It was something that we hadn't heard before, which is always refreshing to hear in hip-hop, whether you, you know, hang on the lyricist side or you like more of ignorant music no matter what you like like when somebody brings a new sound to hip-hop it's always refreshing I think for us we understand that a little bit more than like the generation versus like the super young generation the, the clash that they have but I feel like Pop Smoke kind of kind of bridged that in a sense uh, a lot of people had respect for him and that's what made that album so special there was also moments that I felt in that album that kind of um just gave you that like good taste of hip hop, you know, him nodding to 50 Cent. He had flipped a couple tracks, like older songs and kind of put his own spin to it, which is always something that I kind of champion because I think it's dope when an artist can do that and they bring their style to it. And he kind of was the epitome of that on that album. Also, I think uh, that song that he had Paranoid with Young Thug, there's always like this tension whenever Pusha T gets on a verse and people suspect that he's Drake. And I think Young Thug had a problem with that. So there was a little bit of like uh, back and forth between them before Pusha T had hit his manager, who's the same manager as Pop Smokes, and was take me off the album. I don't want to make it about this. But I think those moments are cool. And like when you go and you dig up that record and you get this Pusha T verse that isn't on the album, but you can still kind of put in your phone. I think those are always dope. And that's one of my favorite songs from that album is that Paranoid, but with Pusha T's verse on it. So uh I think that album was just a cool moment in hip hop. Uh, so I had to give that number five just because it, it was, I feel like the biggest, like, you know, we were talking about A-list celebrities kind of being quiet this year, but I feel like that was a really big album to come out. It had a lot of artists on it, you know, like Quavo, you know, like I said, Young Thug, a lot of these artists that we would normally see pushing records through this year and being on Billboard Top 100 throughout the entire year. You know, they didn't really show up, but they showed up for that album. And to do that for Pop Smoke, I think was dope. And so I had to kind of throw that in there with the top five. Yeah, um, for me, my fifth favorite album this year. Um, when I was going through this list, it was more like, it was, for me, it was like, which, what I found myself replaying. Um, that's just an easy indicator for me of, you know, if I liked it or not. And uh also, obviously, you know, you listen to something all the way through, no skips by the time you know it's over and then like, well, it's a minute back. But mm -hmm. um, 
Knowledge, 1988. There's actually no raps on this one, really. I think there's a couple tracks that are remixes, but um, I don't know, there's not much, not much to it, you know, thought-wise, putting it here. But other than, like, you know, I was playing time, you know, uh, just beats, not much else to say. It's dope, though, you know, it, it dope enough for me to say it was my fifth most favorite album this year but um definitely worth a listen you know just driving around cruising whatever yeah for me number five it was a little tough to put actually like a top five together i feel like there was probably like six or seven albums in the mix for four and five honestly but uh ultimately i came to the conclusion with miles by blue and exile um you know i really hadn't discussed or heard of blue and exile as a duo um until before this year um again shout out to spotify for that one i've heard of blue and then you know i learned that you know he had um with the producer exile they've done projects together the last one was in 2013 so i guess this one was a, a long time in the making but um as far as you know it wasn't really relevant to like what was going on this year but it is it's just a lot of lyricism it's a lot of bars and i think what's cool about exile his beats have a lot of like jay dilla sound to them you know he's worked with groups that i've liked like in, in jurassic five He's worked with like Aloe Black and a few other people in that kind of like subgenre of hip hop. So like I already like that sound of music. Blue has, like I said, a pretty heavy lyricist flow. And I, I still feel like they stay true to like that underground sound um, with that my, um, with that album, Miles. They also you know have a lot of songs that tie in with the like their names, like obviously Blue. There's a song titled Blue and um the feeling like feeling blue that kind of thing i think one of my favorite songs and what really pushed it over the top for me compared to some of these other albums and we can get to honorable mentions later but um it's one of the songs dear lord i think it's track how many tracks is there seven is there 20 songs so i think it's track 17 um on the album and the the opening lines is like you know he's talking about like i wish there was a you know, I ask God that there's no Christians, no Muslims, no, and he starts listing off all these religions and all these like secular groups. And I was kind of like, you know, as a listener, first time listening through it kind of caught me off guard. It's like, where is he going with this? Like, is he trying to piss off a lot of people? But then he, he goes with the whole like unity approach where it's like, yo, and like, we understand, like we basically like take down these barriers. So we understand that we're one human race. We come together, put our heads together, basically make this a world, a better world cleaner world and he talks like i said he talks about a lot of different shit and stuff that i feel like you know as a grown man now i'm kind of like trying to be a part of too so i just thought that was a cool thing but like i said it it kind of like i said it as a listener you're like whoa like what are you trying to say right here in the beginning um because i'm not anti-religion or anything and i'm just like the whole album doesn't sound like that either but then i, I felt like that was very reflective especially with this year and everything that was going on it's just kind of like preaching unity so that was cool but as far as, you know, the rest of the album, again, just really good lyricists. You know, I think this is an album, especially with the beats to choice. I think that you would like it a lot, um, JJ, just because, like I said, he has a, you know, I was listening to Exile interview and he's he draws a lot of inspiration from, you know, Jay Dilla and uh, Slum Village and people like that. So I think it's cool that they're able to collab and put that album together. So for me, moving on to number four, I'm gonna go with King's Disease by Nas. This one was dropped in August, so later half of the year. And kind of like what I said earlier with 10 points, I felt like Nas was just putting us uh, on a lot of grown man stuff, like grown man knowledge. Very similar to how Jay-Z structured the 444 album, right? 
And so I just think there was a lot of tracks where I felt like really related to, you know, 10 points again, probably one of my favorite songs. The only reason this isn't higher in my list, I felt like I knocked nods for this one because he ends basically like, I think he should have ended the album with the song, The Cure, um, but he chose to put in, I think it's, yeah, Spicy with ASAP Ferg. And, you know, I just, I just felt like it didn't really fit the theme of the album. You know, I felt like it was, it could have been a single standalone. Mm -hmm. I don't know if like contract wise, he was obliged to put it in there, what that kind of thing, or um, to meet certain standards. I don't know. But like, even in The Cure, he talks about like, all right, roll the credits. And again, super reflective song, talks about a lot in his life. Um, you know, talks about, I think there was a line too in the cure where he's talking about like, you know, the McCarthy's past the Lennons, but, or the McCarthy's outlived the Lennons, but the Lennons go the hardest. And I was like, oh, you know, like he's paying homage to other music genres, which I think is cool, especially from an older artist. And um, I don't know, it was, it's overall a really good album. I think uh, we had different of opinions on his, what was that album called with Kanye? But Nazir. Yeah, Yeah, Nazir. Nazir. And I remember like kind of liking this one, but now that I've listened to King's Disease, especially Hit Boy 2 produced the whole album, I, I thought that one kind of wiped Nasir out the water with that one. So that one was really cool to see. And shout out to Hit Boy too, a guy from the Inland Empire. Um, I really like that song Ultra Black as well on the album. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot of good songs on that album. So, you know, again, no skips except for that spicy song, man. Just, <laughs> so that's why it's not higher. That's why it's number four for me. Dang, I didn't know from the Inland Empire. Yeah. yeah. Hit Boy's from like, I think Rialto or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, I, uh, I think he's rapped I about when he when he's had a song with Dom Kennedy. He mentioned one of the ones that was like the funniest line to me was he mentioned like buying the Tyler Mall, you know, the gallery at Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He mentioned that, and I was like, "Yeah, fucking hit boys, a fucking IE legend." <laughs> <laughs> it's a nod to the the gallery at Tyler or Tyler Mall. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to go off of that. Uh, King's Disease was actually number four for me, too. Um, I, we've talked about, like you said, this is three years running, and we talked about Nas each year. Uh, Nas year came out, I think, the first year that we did it, and uh, I know I wasn't really a fan of it. Um, I think that, that whole structure of seven songs was still brand new at that time, and so um, I had, had for some artists, like the Pusha T uh, album that he came out with that year with Kanye. I liked it for that, but I didn't really like it for Nas. I was expecting something more and I wanted Kanye to kind of push the envelope with Nas just because of the history Nas has with like beat selection. And then last year we talked about um, the Lost Tapes because I think we brought that up just in, in conversation. And I liked the Lost Tapes better and was like, okay, this is more what I was looking for when I heard that he was working with, with Kanye and going to have like what I thought was going to be better beat selection. There was one song on there that I absolutely hated. I forgot what it was called, but it was the one that's like, that's his flow on it. And I just, I could not stand that song. So I don't believe it. It got in my top five. And then this year I was a little wasn't hesitant because I know hit boy can make amazing records. And then I know Nas can as well, but it's just two kind of different worlds coming together. And, you know, hit boy, I think proved that he could really work with any artist, especially going from bouncing from big Sean to then uh, working with uh, Benny the Butcher to, you know, working with Nas. I think it kind of showed his versatility a little bit. And I know you mentioned you didn't like the spicy song. I liked it for the reason that that was the one I was most worried about because I see he's on a song with ASAP Ferg and Fabio Foreign. And I'm like, all right, that's not Nas's 
Like <laughs> he doesn't really belong in that. So it was like, when I first saw that, that kind of worried me a little bit about the album. I was like, is he going to try to do like a commercial album and, and kind of lead it in that direction? And so I was definitely worried about it. I enjoyed the spicy song just because it was, it was so far left for Nas, but he was kind of held his pocket and was doing his thing on it. What I like most about the album is when you, you know, cut it on, you get songs like Car 85 and it's like, okay, this is like a very well-polished record because it's being produced by somebody like Hit Boy. But then you have just the lyricism and just, just that, that, just that Nas flow, man. It was, it was, everything that I was expecting from these past two albums was kind of like, finally, like, all right, I could put this in my top five, like proudly, because this is Nas and you, you always want to throw him in your top five. But when he's coming out with these records where you're like, you should never be like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this with Nas because he's Nas. And the fact that these past two albums, like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. is like, well, you can't put it in your top five for that reason. Cause Nas shouldn't be making records like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this album kind of front to back for me was like, all right, this is, this is the that I wanted to hear. This is him getting like exactly like what you said, getting his 444 off. Jay-Z kind of set that groundwork, you know, no pun intended, but the blueprint for being able to kind of transition as an artist into your older age and just kick game to the younger generation, whether they're listening or not. But, and I think Nas kind of did that same thing, like, you know, with records, like you said, with 10 points and stuff. So definitely like one of the one records that I like went back on throughout the year and was like, all right, I can... I think I had gotten a new car when I first got the Nas album. So I was like, all right, this is the first one in that car. So it's that like special moment of just driving around to it and just cycling through his, his music and it flowed perfectly. So threw that in the top five for sure at number four. See, I got uh, Pray for Paris at number four, mm-hmm. West Side Gun. Uh, I, I told myself at the start of this year, I was going to listen to more like West Side Gun and Griselda as a whole. And um, I think this one came out kind of earlier in the year. I can't remember. Yeah. But, um, like June or May, yeah. Yeah, but there's a there's a lot of features on there, and I guess I could have came back to this one for you know favorite features, collaborations, whatever. But I think it has like uh, you know it has Freddie Gibbs, Conway, uh, Tyler the Creator, uh, Boldy G. I talked about earlier, but um, yeah, just. You know, seeing the direction he went with this, with the you know, like definitely transitioned more into like an executive role, like like you said earlier, Vince. Um, really hyping it up, and I think that's kind of what made me want to listen to it too. You know, the the shit that he said on like Instagram and stuff, yeah. calling himself like a god, art god, whatever. <laughs> it's kind of it's humorous to me. I like that, and like all the wrestling references and yeah. uh track called Claiborne kick, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. That's, that's cool to me, but because it kind of, it, that clashes with the, the lyrics and the content of it, which can be a little more dark, but I just, I, I found it to be a good mix. Mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, think I had to give a, best album artwork of the year definitely be yeah great for Paris <laughs> yeah that shit was hard with the Davy and Goliath holding the head and right. putting his own chains that he wears on it uh-huh I think Virgil Abloh did the artwork for that too yeah yeah and I think it's cool to to even though it's just scratching the surface of it it it's putting people on to maybe 
other things that they that they wouldn't be interested in like classical art you know yeah stuff like that i feel like it brings people if you are into that you kind of get pulled to it like oh this artist is doing something crazy like let me listen i've heard enough people say like oh i listen to west side gun because i'm a wrestling fan yeah like Mm -hmm. so the fact that he's bringing people into that and like i think i just saw because i don't really watch wrestling like that but on his instagram it was like pictures of him like sitting in the crowd the same way like we see uh top dog at like the lakers game you see him in the red hat sitting on the <laughs> side like you see west side at like one of these wwf wrestling matches he's like on the side and it's like yo side gun there so he like pulls in other people from these different cultures and kind of puts them together and like displays this new sound that we had yet to hear into these past few years so the fact that he's able to think is just crazy yeah i think it'd be cool too especially if like a wrestler had like a West Side Gun track, like as their walkout song, like that'd be yeah. Hard too. <laughs> Somebody needs to do it. <laughs> All right, sticking with you, JJ. What was your number three? Number three, I got a written testimony, J Electronica. Mm. Uh, I didn't really mention it too much earlier, but um, I, I I don't know. It was kind of it, it was anticipated. You know, it's been a long time since J Electronica dropped an album and I wasn't super familiar with his music uh, to be honest before I listened to this other than you know just the name and kind of like the hype but um, it was actually it was a good listen I had a Jay-Z featured on there which I think you know that alone would probably get you guys to check it out but um (laughs) Uh, I, I could have mentioned this earlier when I said I didn't have a lyric, but there's a song. Uh, let me, I got to look it up real quick. Uh, song with Jay-Z actually, but um, it's got a, it's got a cool, a sample by this, like, anyways, it, it's just, it's really like the feeling of it. Um, it's crazy. It's called A-P-I-D-T-A. It's an app. not sure what it, stands for but I think it's all um, praise due to a law or something like that okay yeah that that probably that makes sense yeah. <laughs> but um yeah they, they're talking about i assume people that passed away or you know uh just lost connections whatever and i think the line jay-z says is, i got numbers on my phone that'll never ring again mm. and uh i don't know just the mood of the song is is crazy to hear you know jay-z talking about something so deep you mm-hmm. know losing someone or whatever it, that track kind of carried it for me in terms of like putting it in the top five definitely yeah, that was actually check that out yeah i think because i don't think jay electronic has ever like put out like an actual album He's only released like songs and stuff. So yeah. this was technically his like first like body of work that he put together, which is crazy because I know a lot of people put Jay Elect in their top, you know, 20 lyricists of all time kind of thing. So yeah. to barely put out your first album and then have Jay-Z on it and it was definitely really dope. I think that's some level of respect too. Oh yeah, yeah 100%. Who's up? Uh, what about you, Vince? What's your number three? Uh, number three. Hold on, let me see. Um, I would have to. I wrote everything down, uh, just like out of order. 
but I think uh, number three, I'd have to the reason with his album, New Beginnings and stuff. I mean, I think we've, you know, talked about it enough on here, but it's just, he's that, he's that new artist from TDE that just restores that feeling of, I don't think you ever lose that with TDE, but, um, you know, when you get an artist that's on the come up and is really like grinding for, for that stamp of approval. And I think reason is very much just the fact that he's on the same record with some of the best names in hip hop. So he's, he mentioned it even in that outro song and stuff. And so you see him almost like, I always say it's like that NCAA grind. Like, you know, you're trying to make it to the league. Yeah. You know, we say college football so much better than the NFL because they're really pushing. They got everything's on the line for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel carries that with him and you see it in these in these bodies of work because because everything from start to finish is exactly what we want to hear from reason it's not him trying to break down these different and do things no he's just doing exactly what creating the music that he wants to create and putting it out there and using the label push using you know the notoriety that he has from being associated with these artists to hey this is who i am though i know you that kendrick's your favorite rapper i know schoolboy's your favorite rapper even if you're a backpacker and isaiah rashad is your favorite rapper but the, hey this is what i'm bringing to the table like he always i feel like trying to constantly prove why he got the seat at the table for tde so i mean anytime somebody like reason comes out with a with an album i think it's always going to be at least within our circle in our kind of top five or like honorable mentions just because you know they, they kill it man they hustle like they broke that's mm-hmm. that's their motto and they really live by it yeah yeah reasons album was on my top five too not quite yet he's on a little later but number three for me is going to be mozzie's beyond bulletproof um you know living in sacramento mozzie's like somebody that you know so i, I got to hear about a lot and I always felt like he he was, I liked a lot of his music, but I, I couldn't say like I was a big fan, right? Like a lot of his shit was just too hard for me. It was very gangster, like that kind of thing. And I felt like Beyond Bulletproof, while there was some like, like gangster hardcore tracks in there, there was a lot of like reflective tracks. And I really liked the R&B angle that he had for some songs like Can't Let You Go, where Eric Bellinger sings the hook. And then Big Homie from the Hood, the last track on that album, it's a remix to Mario's Let Me Love You. And like, I think we, again, going back to that theme where we're now at the age where we can, you know, people are sampling tracks from when we were like middle school or, you know, elementary school. And I remember that song being really big, you know, like as far as the R&B angle. And so I was just like, damn, the way he flipped that and, you know, the music video he shot for that was really cool because it's all, it's what Mozzie's all about. Like he gives back a lot to his community. Um, So like the whole music video was shot, like basically at a community park in Oak Park in Sacramento. And they're having like a big cookout. Everyone's there playing softball. Um, I believe this was a shot like in the beginning of the year. So before COVID and everything. And when you watch that video now, it's honestly kind of a trip. It's like, damn, like that many people in one place. Like what? Like, you know, what are they doing? But you got to remember like the time that they shot that. And it released in January. So it probably was shot probably the winter before, you know. So um, and you mentioned Blast earlier. I felt like he had that song too. I Ain't Perfect. Oh, Again, yeah. I really i felt like that duo was really good i believe they dropped another song together just a single yeah yeah i saw that that was mm-hmm. later in the year and that's like a, a duo that i want to see more from them right i think if they had their own little ep you know just mozzie and blast while the sounds are two very distinct and, and very polar opposites you could say i felt like they combined beautifully on that track and in the other track too that's not on the album and so i just feel like that's really you know what um why it's in my top five is because like I said, Mozzie's always kind of been like an artist I knew about. I checked in on and stuff like that. But I think he, you know, kind of definitely like one up my personal favorites. 
even with the first song unethical and deceitful um i think he's talking about like one of his homies kind of like there's a lot of themes going on in that song but i think there's one line where he talks about like you're talking to the police like it's a podcast kind of deal and so um you know he's, he's talking about betrayal i think again going with the theme that i mentioned earlier too a lot of self-reflection too in uh songs like i ain't perfect can't let you go big homie from the hood unethical and deceitful for the first one but then there's a hard songs that you can get from ozzy like body count and then they had you know guys like king von and g herbo on that song too so i just felt like overall well put together album a nice little mix of like that gangster rap as well as that like smooth you know r&b instrumentals with it with a lot of self-reflective on it too so shout out to mozzy that's my number three album of the year so so moving on to number two for me i'm gonna go with limbo by amine uh we mentioned him a little earlier too and i feel like again same thing that we kind of been talking about this is being self-reflective there's a a whole song or whole track on the album it's just a skit or not even a skit but a recording of him talking about when Kobe passes. Right. And I feel like all of us as somewhat sports fans, you know, Kobe played a big part in our lives, especially living here in Southern California. And we got to see that when he passed away in January, they had the whole um, celebration of Kobe and Gigi at, in the stable center on, in February. And then obviously throughout the year and in, in sports, whenever there was like an eight and 24, it was like, Oh, you know, Kobe's there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's a huge theme for the culture. And, you know, he talks about how Kobe's death kind of matured him very quickly. And uh, Amine is also 26, or at least he was 26 when he recorded that album. So, uh, again, very relatable because I'm 26. And, like, there's a line in that track where he's like, you know, let me figure out how taxes work. Or, like, let me figure out how to, you know, kind of that kind of thing. And I was like, that's why I didn't necessarily get into that. I did feel like Kobe's death also matured me, too. It was like a childhood hero and, you know, he had a lot of big plans, a lot of big picture stuff, and he was kind of taken away very early. I think it kind of shows you like, you know, you could be gone in like any second. So mm-hmm. I really like that theme. Amine was an, an artist I listened to a whole lot before. You know, honestly, before this album, I only heard of Caroline, you know, that <laughs> that one song. And um, and I think he did like a, a tribute to like ODB with like a Shimmy Ya song as well. But um, this album, man, from the very beginning, burden i believe the opening line it's like a recording of him like this is the this is not the type of music you play in your car this is or this is the type of music you play in your car when you're about to pick up your homie from prison and so i was like oh like that kind of sets the tone and while i feel like it's very like melodical he has the song roots with jid and charlie wilson um which i was a big fan of he has that song easy which is again like one of my favorite duos and features with summer walker I really like their back and forth together on that one. He has a song with uh, titled Mama by himself, Riri by himself. Again, really good songs right there. And I think another good one too was um, Fetus with Injury Reserve, uh, featuring Injury Reserve. That one was cool too, because it was talking about like knocking, uh, knocking up a girl at a really young age and kind of, you know, going about that whole situation. So again, kind of very similar to, like I said, the theme of 2020, a very self-reflective piece with some, you know, mentions to Kobe with some mentions about growing up kind of understanding you know just growing up and as far as being a man in the United States and that kind of deal so I really like that one that's my number two album of the year so I'll go yeah um number two I got Boldy James Price of Tea in China uh that's another Alchemist produced album which 
obviously I'm a huge fan. Um, but again, I just found myself playing this one over and over, you know, uh, and it's just crazy to me for, you know, a guy like I put out so many albums in a year and have them, in my opinion, all just, you know, be perfect, mm-hmm. no skips, nothing. That's crazy to me. Um, I think it, it shows, you know, his true talent and ability to kind of give all these rappers a platform to do their thing. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm far removed from the life of like Boldy James or, you know, the other other guys featured on here, Benny the Butcher, Freddie Gibbs, far removed from that and their experiences. But it, it you know, in the big picture, it gives me a chance to like, look into their their world and their story and um i don't know feel a certain way you know like the way that they rap the things they rap about it's kind of one of those albums where you throw it on if you want to i don't know you're trying to get pumped for something or you know you you want to feel that way you want to just drive around like you're the man or whatever you know <laughs> yeah definitely I've never done any of these things. I've never sold drugs, but <laughs> for however long this is, 45 minutes or whatever, like you can be immersed in that world and just, I don't know. It's dope. I, that's my number two. Michelle. Yeah. My number two for, you know, giving Alchemist praise, my number two, Alfredo with uh, Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist. Um, I think Freddie Gibbs, every single album, you know, like you said, we've talked about him on every single one of these shows. And um, I think he creates like this universe around his album each time, which I think is dope. Like they had a comic book come out where he's going after like, I think it's some like cocaine monster or something. And it's just like him using his power as being half man, half cocaine. And uh, he used that from the last album kind of transition into this one. And that's what the comic was based around. And uh, then they had like these these Alfredo, you know, Italian restaurant themed merch come out. And so I feel like Freddie Gibbs is just moving in that direction of being an artist that creates a brand around each album, which I think is dope. And, you know, that's a big salute to him. And working with Alchemist is just kind of the perfect setup. And when you go back and listen to that early, early Freddie Gibbs where he was finding his sound, he's always been ill. But to finally land with producers that are really creating the music that he should be creating and, and, you know, not replicating the template, but, you know, expanding upon it each time, but still keeping it true to what he is at Vane, I think it's super dope. And it's just one of those front to back straight. Listen, was just one of the best this year. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and kick it off to with your number one album. Of the number year. one. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious by now. I've talked about them enough, but burden of proof by Benny the butcher hands down the grimiest album I've heard in a while. <laughs> and anytime I hear some shit like that, I mean, I grew up off of the locks and early G unit, you know, those, those deep cuts from 50, like heat and stuff. So that's early two thousands, grimy East coast music, just always been absorbed by. And so for him to restore that feeling with this album, you know, I think uh, just showing people around me, it was like, yo, this, this album's from this year. And you know, it has like this older sound, bit, but but still like him just pushing, pushing the, the limits with bringing lyricism to the forefront is always something that you have to kind of big up because it's hard to do with 
all the trends in hip hop and kind of going from this 2016 and this heavy SoundCloud microwave phase that we went through to now breaking into hearing rappers like Benny the Butcher get the most shine and like the most praise is, is crazy. Dude from Buffalo. Well, rappers come out of Buffalo before <laughs> them, you know? And to talk the way he talks, the cocaine and shit like that is is always good to hear that kind of restored in hip hop because that's what it is. I mean, that's what we kind of came up on being, you know, all of us born in the 90s, but really, you know, getting our feet wet in thousands and really diving into hip hop then is dope to see him come back with that. And it's one of those albums front to back. I could listen to it six times in a row and and not even just get lost in it. So that was hands down my number one. Number, uh, number one for me is Alfredo. Uh, you know, you, you already mentioned a lot of the, the things that I liked about it as well. Um, I, yeah, I, get, I think the word I was looking for when I was describing how I feel listening to Boldy James, I think it was grimy. Like, you, you just put that in my head. But it's, it's, Alfredo is similar with, you know, the content, but there are some tracks on there that are kind of not out of place, but like, because um, you know it all works but it, like uh what's what's the track something to rap about mm. featuring uh tyler the creator um that one just sounds so pretty and and you know that it it kind of it's a uh what's it it's a um it's a contrast to what some of the other songs are talking about and to speak on freddie gibbs you touched on his ability to market each album um, in a different way, you know, with the merch and the the other things that tie into it. And I think that kind of that hypes everything up for sure, but carries on the hype well after the album is out because you have, if you're thinking about it, like marketing wise, you have like the buildup, then you have the drop. And then they release the vinyl, you know, but it just, mm -hmm. it's like always keeping you engaged. And by the time you know it, his next album comes out and it's the same thing, but I think he's on a roll right now, Freddie Gibbs. Definitely. And, uh, you know, as far as Alchemist, he's a dude that whether you know it or not, you probably heard some of his songs on the radio early two thousands up until now. And it's, I think it's kind of cool hear that sound coming out again and i think it it touches on some nostalgia for me listening to early 2000s hip-hop and you know to have them nominated grammy this year have them not that it matters but me, have me consider him to be involved in my number one album in 2020 like i think that speaks on his longevity and definitely uh yeah it just that's that's number one for me mm -hmm. And then my number one album is also another repeat from Vince's list. Uh, it's going to be Reasons, New Beginnings. And for very much of the same reasons that you already listed, I, I just like how it was well put together and they really let him shine. I mean, while there was some features with Schoolboy Q, I think Kendrick did the hook on Showstop and or he had some like ad libs. I won't even say it was a hook. And then he had Isaiah Rashad on there. None of those artists like kind of outshined him. I feel like they, you know, he was still like put on the pedestal. This is my body of work. And he had a lot of solo songs that I thought were good, too, where, you know, he, he had, you know, it felt like it was really him. And he's an artist, you know, since I think we talked about in 2018, there you have it. 
you know, artist that was coming up 2019 while he didn't have an album. I believe we talked about him because he was on Revenge of the Dreamers and that song Lambo Truck, you know, like mm-hmm. that song got me even more excited. And then I think at the tail end of 2019, he started dropping some singles. This year he was dropping more singles. He had that, uh, I believe TD had that, like, what was it? Like a week of like kind of releases, one oh, by yeah. Soul, mm-hmm. one by Punch. So, you know, he was very active. And like you said, he's on that college grind where he's trying to grind to get recognition right now because he's not as well known as these other TD artists. And so I was really excited for this album. It, it definitely didn't disappoint. And like I've already talked about some songs, like I Can Make It, um, Extinct. I think my favorite part about this album and why I put it as my number one, as soon as, you know, when I listened to it, I was like, man, it's going to be a hard album to top for any future albums is because I liked how he had that I can make it back and forth with Rhapsody. And both of them, while they're really good lyricists, they're not really well-respected and well-known in the hip-hop game. Then that very next track is Fall. And I feel like that, you know, obviously that first verse, he talks about like a woman in the industry and he kind of leaves it very vague in the beginning, but then he, you know, he makes a bar where he references like I went to Lila and asked her for some wisdom and that was the title of one of Rhapsody's previous albums so I liked how it was like basically talking about her she just wanted to be an artist she wanted to be an artist but you know not giving up her pussy is could be one of her greatest obstacles and then the second verse in that song is talking about like a guy coming up you know a male rapper in the industry and it's basically like the label asking them questions like you know where are you from like who you hang with what what's that do you bang that kind of stuff and like oh you a conscious rapper like get the fuck out of here you're, mm-hmm. you're you know you're not going to get any traction like that so i felt like that song i can make it well you just heard before and they have fall right and after that it talks about the tricky parts of the industry so overall like one of my favorite tracks or one of my favorite albums of the year and i feel like of all the top five albums this year if we were to put like a a list of like top albums from the past three years since we've been doing this. I think Reasons New Beginnings is probably the one that gets the highest up on there. I'm not sure even my two through five even make that list because I feel like some of the music from 2019 and 18 were a little bit better. But yeah, Reason, glad he came through with a really nice album this year. Hell yeah. So we just finished up our top fives. Want to go ahead and, you know, Vinge, you can start it off for us. Any honorable mentions from this year? And maybe albums that we didn't talk about as a whole that you think so you should get some recognition, maybe didn't crack your top five, but that were worthy of mentioning at the end of the show? Yeah, I think, uh, I think there was a few artists that kind of just put together like a, you know, a couple little two, three, four packs of, of songs this year to kind of just give, give the fans like a feeler. I was thinking for like next year, but um you know, some of those I think Joey Badass put out like, quarantine pack. There was two records on there. I think it's called The Light. Mm-hmm. Um, those were definitely ill, and it's always dope to hear from Joey Badass. Um, a lot of those smaller records that like producers put out with a lot of the you know guys that kind of came up after Griselda. You got like Thirty Eight Special. He came out with a few records um, and albums and you know mixes and stuff, whatever you want to call them. But those were all hard. Um, you know, Fred the Godson, rest in peace. He actually passed of covid at the beginning of the year uh, but he had a few records come out and those are always hard and i was really looking forward to him kind of upset that you know he was taken but um definitely shout out to them and then black thought as well he put out a, a project and uh had really dope artists on it and any type of just hardcore lyricism like that is always going to be one of those you know albums that kind of is constantly in rotation for me throughout the year whenever i kind of take from that top five that's kind of just spinning on repeat and then kind of play some of those other records those are the ones that i kind of jumped to this year so mm-hmm. what about you jj uh for me um the don tolliver record 
I think it's called Heaven or Hell. Yeah, there's there's a few tracks on there that I found myself coming back to. Um, uh, what else? Busta Rhymes, Extinction oh, yeah. Level Event Two. That the first, I think it's the first track. The intro is pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, you said that in the group chat. Yeah, that shit was yeah, wild. Yeah, it kind of made me laugh too. That one, that was that's worth checking out. Getting Chris then, Rock um, on that too. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, what else? listening to i think knowledge had a couple other projects this year um i just listened to the new playboy card oh yeah how was it yeah uh, i think it'll be appreciated maybe later on but the fact that you know he's waited that long to to drop it i think it angered a lot of his fans which who cares about their opinion anyways yeah, really yeah but <laughs> uh there's there's some tracks worth checking out you know you like crazy production loud bass in the car you know check it out Mm -hmm. but um savage mode 2 oh yeah and there's a couple tracks on there um i don't know i think i think i'm excited for next year though uh with you know obviously everything going on i hopefully next year there's some return to you know, normalcy, whatever. And who knows if, the, if, if we're able to go to concert and in, in touring's a thing, I think we'll see some, some big name artists drop and next year we'll probably be talking about them. But uh, I think, I think my new year's resolution is to more hip hop. Gotta get on <laughs> your guys' level. <laughs> yeah. Another, another non hip hop act or kind of kind of teeters that line of hip hop versus R and B was St. John. St. John came out with an album this year and he was going crazy. I know he got a lot of um a lot of uh notoriety from the Roses remix song that they kind of used on TikTok throughout the year and kind of blew up on there. But uh he's had crazy records. He did a, a record called Trap early on with Lil Baby. Mm-hmm. And um I think he's gonna be one of those artists that especially for him to have such a good year this year and kind of a little bit of a rise to fame with the album that he dropped and being an artist that's going to have more of an effect in person and, you know, at a concert on tour, I think it's going to be, you know, a crazy emergence of him in the coming years of just putting out just constant good records. And, and he hasn't missed with any of his records yet. So mm-hmm. shout out to saying that's definitely a, a, somebody worth mentioning. Yeah. And going with the theme of being excited for next year, that boogie single, I mean, I already mentioned it a few times, but I feel like that was kind of a teaser at a track or not a track, that an album that he'll put out next year. Again, outside one of my favorite songs this year. Another album too that I didn't get to mention, but like I said, there was about five or six albums competing for that four to five spot. Um, I thought ADHD by Joyner Lucas was really good. Um, and now he's an artist that I really didn't listen to. I listened to a few singles or tracks like one at a time. Never really a whole project of his because I never really found that much of an interest in him. But when he came out with that. Um, that project ADHD, you know, I work with a lot of kids and I feel like I've been exposed to a lot more people with ADHD now. And so to, for him to make an album with that title and kind of talking about that and living with it, that was kind of cool to, to see that angle of it. And he had different like interludes by uh, different people. And so it was really cool. Again, coming of age kind of album, self-reflective. Um, I also, you know, we didn't talk about him a whole lot, but I feel like mainstream media uh, definitely is high on him is Jack Harlow. Um, you know, obviously that song was popping and he had the remix and everything. I think it'll be cool to see like what happens next with him. Cause I think 
you know, yeah, he's a cold lyricist, but can he put like a nice body of work together? Right. I think a lot of his songs that he's put out are just kind of like singles standalone. Hey, like there's a lot of lyricists, you know, gets good, you know, tracks to play in the car and that kind of stuff. But what can he kind of put together as far as like a solid project? Um, another honorable mention, someone who just missed the cut, I think was like everything, the album, everything by code of the friend. Mm. Again, I mentioned him as a, a breakout artist for me this year, someone that, you know, I listened to a lot of their songs, um, in the beginning of the year, then he drops the album, really looking forward to what he has coming in store for the future as well. More of on that mellow style. And the same thing with Larry June. I mean, all those albums I thought were solid, but I really want to see him. Uh, what, what I see, want to see what he does in the future and what he can put together in the future. Cause again, both him and Coda the friend have very different styles. And, uh, but I think they could both, I don't say blow up, but kind of get, you know, to the re like for the point where reason is at now, where they have like a solid fan base and um, just a solid following, but like really good. They're, they're in their own lane of hip hop, but they're also like really good too, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But that's going to wrap it up for the best hip hop of 2020. Again, thank you guys for doing this. It's been fun. Three years in the making. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hopefully 2021. We return a little bit more to normalcy as, you know, COVID hopefully slows down and we get a little bit more music to choose from in next year's 2021. Other than that, hope everyone listening has a happy holidays, happy new year. Stay safe out there, guys. And yeah. Peace. Up. Peace. Boom. That's going to wrap it up for another episode. Episode 138 of the My Mike and I podcast. A tradition three years in the making. Best hip hop of 2020. And while you may not agree with all our takes, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. You can agree in some parts, disagree in other parts. Hey, but that makes for a healthy discussion with you and your hip-hop head friends. So once again, thanks to Vince Correa and JJ for being a part on this week's show. Didn't want to thank all the listeners out there, too. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, would really appreciate it if you left a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and follow to the homepage of the podcast, no matter what platform you're listening and hey, it always helps, too, to spread the podcast via word of mouth. Send it to a colleague, a co-worker, a friend, a family member, whoever you think may enjoy the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. any support I can get with the podcast and helping grow it. And you can follow me on Instagram at my period Mike and period I. I take snippets from the video, sometimes audio snippets. Sometimes I get some fancy little pictures up on there with me and the guests when we record in person. It's a fun little platform that I use to promote the show. So be sure to follow me on that page at my period Mike and period I. And also on Twitter, which is my personal account on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez. But those are the two social media sites that I'm most active on. And you can contact me with feedback on the show. If you want to be on the show, if you have any ideas, that sort of thing. As I always say in every episode, hope you guys continue to chase dreams and not checks and never stop seeking knowledge. And continue to battle through whatever obstacle you may be facing at the moment because... You know, you keep a positive mindset and trust me, things will get better. But if you have that glass half empty mindset, ooh-wee, let's just say you're going to be in for a long one. That's for sure. So I guess we can go ahead and wrap things up for this episode of the show. Episode 138, I'm Noah Alvarez, the host of the Mike and I podcast, and I'm signing off. Till next time.